Thank you, John. And good morning, Willingdon. It's a joy to be back with you again. I was here five years ago, and living in London, Ontario, where I live, it's always a joy to come to the wet coast. And, uh, but you see, I brought nice weather. For the next two days, you're going to have sunshine. It's great. But it's also great to be with you on this special weekend, this weekend when we remember the persecuted church around the world and pray for them. And today, as, as was pointed out by John, millions of our brothers and sisters are indeed in those kind of precarious situations. And many times, the persecution is not just a smash, it's also a squeeze, which can be just as challenging for them as well. So they're our family, and they ask us to pray for them, and we do that, but they also ask us to pray with them, that the things they desire to see to advance the kingdom of God would become a reality. If you're not familiar with their needs, I encourage you to be in contact with uh, the Ministry of Open Doors Canada, started by Dutchman Brother Andrew, and we have a table out in the foyer where you can sign up for news about the persecuted church, either by email or for people my age by snail mail. And you're welcome to come by and, uh, and to do that. I also encourage you to remember our brothers and sisters who live in the Holy Land. Many of them do not have an easy time there either. And so there is, um, I'm connected with a ministry called Hope Outreach of Canada, And there's also information and sign-ups out there as well. My message today is titled, The Paradoxes of the Christian Life. The Contrasts, and it's based on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 to 12. And in the context of this passage, which I am going to read for you in a moment, if you wish to turn there, in the context... The Apostle Paul is talking about the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And that light of the gospel is what he is referring to when he tells us more information about where it's contained and how it is released. Our reading begins with verse 6 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. It's page 965 in your pew Bible, and I'm reading from my favorite version of the Bible, uh, which is called the Large Print Bible. Uh, And very soon I think I'm going to need the Extra Large Print Bible, but actually I'm reading from your pew Bible version, the ESV. Let's read God's Word, listen to God's Word as I read it for you today, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, 
but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. God's word for us this morning. The first point the Apostle Paul makes in this passage is that we carry around this wonderful treasure in fragile earthen vessels. The Apostle Paul calls the light of the gospel and the glory of Jesus a treasure. And it is exactly that. We celebrated that treasure this morning as we had communion together. The treasure of the light of the gospel in Jesus who gave himself for you and me. And we carry around this wonderful treasure in our fragile mortal bodies. And Paul uses the metaphor of jars of clay. Now I think that would be a great name for a singing group, but maybe it's already taken. In ancient societies, treasures were concealed in clay jars. Those jars had very little value or beauty and didn't attract attention to themselves or their contents. But here, Paul uses this metaphor to represent human frailty and unworthiness. We have this treasure in fragile jars of clay. And this is to keep us from pride. We're reminded that we are just mortal human beings with all the body's weaknesses and pain. We are still the victim of circumstances. We're still involved in situations over which we have no control. We're still subject to the chances and challenges of human life on this earth. Life has surrounded us with frailty. And the older we get, the more we realize that. Although Christ has surrounded us with power and glory, hallelujah, so that we'll remember the weakness is ours, but the power and the glory is God's. And that's how we recognize our need to keep our own utter dependence on him. And that's why even the children we teach in church and Sunday school sing a song that everyone knows, yes, Jesus loves me. And in that song we sing, we are weak, but he is strong. Amen. Kifa Sempanji was the pastor of a large church in Uganda. It was called the Redeemed Church. 7,000 people attended this church, and their service wasn't just for an hour and 15 minutes. It went all day. That's the way many parts of the world worship the Lord together when they are able to get together. And his name was at the top of ruthless leader Edi Amin's hit list of men who were wanted. After an all-day worship service on one Easter Sunday, Pastor Kampanji went exhausted to his office to change his clothes. He was so exhausted he didn't notice the five men who followed him into the office, government secret police. 
He said, they stood between me and the door, pointing their rifles at my face. For a long time, no one said anything. Then the tallest man, obviously the leader, spoke and said, we are going to kill you. If you have something to say, say it now before you die. He spoke quietly, but his face was twisted with anger and hatred. Kifa Sempanji says, I could only stare at him. For a sickening moment, I felt the full weight of his rage. We had never met before, but his deepest desire was to tear me to pieces. My mouth felt heavy, my limbs began to shake, and everything left my control. They will not need to kill me, I thought to myself. I'm just going to fall over dead and I'll never see my family again. We carry around this wonderful treasure in fragile earthen vessels, jars of clay. And this insight is what gives purpose to many for their suffering. Secondly, it's pointed out in this passage that our jars of clay are subject to many pressures. We know from all Paul's writings that Satan and the people he uses is the source of these pressures. In verse 4 of this chapter, Paul points out that the God of this age, another reference to Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The Apostle Paul describes these pressures of the Christian life in a series of four paradoxes in verses 8 and 9, which we read. He said, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. I love the way that a biblical Greek scholar, Dr. William Barclay, paraphrases this. He's usually very careful in how he translates the Bible because of his Greek knowledge. But when he came to this passage, he said, I want to paraphrase this. He says, here's how I would do it. We are sore pressed at every point, but not hemmed in. We are at our wit's end, but not our hope's end. We are persecuted by men, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. A beautiful image that he uses for those paradoxes that we experience in life. Today there are many Christians worldwide who are pressured, crushed, persecuted, knocked down, and yet haven't fully experienced the second part of each of these challenges. It's these brothers and sisters who desperately need our prayers. One of the most notable paradoxes of the persecuted church that I've observed in my years of working with among them is the fact that in the middle of their greatest pressures, often they have their sweetest times with Jesus. I mean, I think of Pastor Wang Mingdao, one of the most famous pastors inside China. We know Watchman Nee because of his writings. But inside China, Wang Mingdao was the most famous pastor in the country, and he spent 23 years total in prison for his faith in Jesus Christ. And when he was released in 1981, I met him 
and his wife Deborah, who was held in a different prison. And he said, those 23 years in prison were my honeymoon with Jesus. Can you believe it? Terrible, horrible prison life. And that was my honeymoon with Jesus. Kifa Sampanji's story continues. After he felt he was going to fall over dead when confronted by those murderous government goons, he says, from far away I heard a voice and I was astonished to realize it was my own voice. I do not need to plead my cause, I heard myself saying. I'm a dead man already. My life is dead and hidden in Christ. It's your lives that are in danger. You are dead in your sins. I will pray to God that after you have killed me, he will spare you from eternal destruction. The tall one took one step toward me and then he stopped. In an instant, his face was changed. His hatred had turned to curiosity. He lowered his gun and he motioned the other guys to do the same and they stared at him in amazement, but they took their guns out of my face. Then the tall one spoke again. Will you pray for us now? He asked. I thought my ears were playing tricks on me. I looked at him and at the others. My mind was completely paralyzed. Father in heaven, I prayed, you who have forgiven men in the past, forgive these men also. Do not let them perish in their sins, but bring them into yourself. Our jars of clay are subject to many pressures. And after the Apostle Paul states that great paradox of the Christian life, he goes on to give the secret of his own life, the reason why he was able to do and to bear and to endure as he did. If a person wishes to live with Christ, he or she must be ready to die with Christ. Paul knew and accepted the unavoidable law of the Christian life, that no cross, no crown, but also the joyful understanding of the resurrection power that follows the cross. First the cross, then comes the resurrection and the power of the resurrection. Repeatedly, Jesus and his apostles share the principle in scripture that if we suffer with him, we will also share in his glory. You find that in Romans 8:17 as well. Kifa Sempanji in Uganda had prayed for his persecutors and he continues, it was a simple prayer, prayed in deep fear. But God looked beyond my fears and when I lifted my head, the men standing in front of me were not the same men who had followed me into my office. Something had changed in their faces. It was the tall one who spoke first. His voice was bold, but there was no contempt in his words. You have helped us, he said, and we will help you. We will speak to the rest of our company and they will leave you alone. Don't fear for your life. It's in our hands and you will be protected. Kifa says, I was too astonished to reply. The tall one only motioned for me and for the others to leave. He, he himself stepped to the doorway and then he turned to speak one last time. He said, I saw widows and orphans in your congregation. 
I saw them singing and giving praise. Why are they happy when death is so near? It was still difficult to speak, Pastor Kepha says, but I answered him, because they are loved by God. He has given them life, and he will give life to those they loved because they died in him. His question seemed strange to me, but he didn't stay to explain. He only shook his head in perplexity and walked out the door. He continues, I stared at the open door of my church office for several moments and then sat down on a nearby straw mat chair. My knees were no longer strong. I could feel my whole body still trembling. I couldn't think clearly. Less than ten minutes before, I had considered myself a dead man. Even though I was surrounded by 7,000 parishioners, there was no human being to whom I could appeal. I couldn't even ask the elders to pray for me. I couldn't appeal to the mercy of those Nubian killers. My mouth had frozen, and I had no clever words to speak. But in that moment, with death so near, it was not my sermon that gave me courage, nor an idea from Scripture, but it was Jesus Christ, the living Lord. That's his testimony. The power, the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus was what gave that man courage. And the story doesn't end there. Sometime later, Pastor Sempanji shared an update with these words. Amazingly, in subsequent days, each one of those five men came to faith and commitment in Jesus Christ, following Jesus. And one of those men became his closest trusted friend and driver. All of them had threatened to kill him. And now today are followers of Jesus because of that resurrection power. Last December, Dr. Jim Cunningham from your church and I were teaching together in Uganda, and we learned that Pastor Sempanji is still faithfully ministering there, continuing to live in the death and resurrection power of Jesus his Lord. But we see these same biblical principles exhibited in the lives of many others as well. Eritrea in East Africa is a country where Christians have suffered severely at the hands of a ruthless dictator who hates evangelicals. The country does not have enough prison cells for the more than 1,000 Christians who have been arrested and incarcerated in recent days. So they are held in shipping containers, big metal boxes with no windows for light or fresh air, no toilet facilities, hot in the daytime, cold at nighttime. One of the well-known prisoners there was Christian singer Helen Berhane, who happens to be one of my heroes. Her crime was circulating a CD of Christian music among the young people of her country. She spent three years living in those terrible conditions of shipping containers. She says it was so cold at night that you would suffer hypothermia. It was so hot during the day that your skin would burn to the edge of the container. The bugs that bite you felt like fire all over your body. 
but like driving a nail into wood, every hit, every beating, every blow to my body drew me closer to God. On one occasion, when they were finished beating Helen, they threw her body back into the metal shipping container, and as she lay on the floor of the container, she began to sing a new song that she composed at that very moment. And the lyrics go this way, Thank you, Lord, for the cold nights. Thank you, Lord, for the hot days. Thank you for the hunger, for the sickness. Thank you for the bugs that bite my body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I have a hard time even reading that because I ask myself, if I was in those kind of conditions, could I be thankful to God for even that? The resurrection power of Jesus in your life enables your jar of clay to be thankful in everything, even those kind of conditions. Today, Helen lives in freedom in Scandinavia, and she's written a book called Song of the Nightingale, which gives you all the details of her story and her life. According to Operation World, the greatest evangelical church growth in the world today is in the country of Iran, if you can imagine. Amid the severe persecution and threats of, of execution for apostasy, which is leaving Islam to become a Christian, the church is growing dramatically, about 20% every year in a Muslim theocracy. And today, many of those new Christians are in notorious prisons and need our prayers and encouragement. Two young ladies, Mariam and Marzier, are two Christian young ladies in their late 20s, spent almost a year in the infamous Evan prison in Tehran. Why? Because in the first three years after their conversion and discipleship, they had distributed more than 20,000 New Testaments one-on-one -on -one and planted two significant house churches. In the three years of their ministry, only one person ever turned down the chance to have and read a New Testament. But 20,000 people said, yes, I would love to have a New Testament. And they share their experiences in their book, Captive in Iran. And they conclude, for all the hardship we have experienced on this journey, we wouldn't have missed it for anything. It's been our honor to serve Christ in this way to take up our cross and follow him faithfully anywhere he leads us. The resurrection power of Jesus in your life enables your jar of clay to serve God faithfully even in hard and difficult times. Jesus has been revealing himself to many Muslims around the world in dreams and visions as the man in white and miraculous stories are widely shared of how Jesus is working in the lives of those who may not have the chance to meet him in any other way. Charles Morris is the speaker on the radio program Haven Today, and he tells the story of Shirzad in northeast Iraq in his book Seeking Isis, Finding Jesus. Shirzad was a young married man who worked for the telephone company. One day, although he was also a Muslim, he was abducted by ISIS soldiers. 
they thought that they could maybe get some financial ransom from the telephone company if they abducted Shirzad. They beat him up very severely, demanded he call his boss on the telephone to arrange a payment and a location to drop the payment. The ISIS soldiers, of course, only spoke Arabic, but Shirzad, being from Kurdistan, also spoke a Kurdish dialect. So when he called his boss on the phone, he spoke to him in Kurdish, and he said, Boss, whatever you do, don't give these guys any money. They are going to kill me anyway, whether you give them money or not. So it's not worth your wasting your money. Please phone my wife and tell her I love her, and he hung up. When the ISIS soldiers realized what he had done, they beat him nearly to death. He was chained to the wall, blindfolded and gagged, bleeding severely. He was sure he was soon going to die. That night, he sensed a bright light approaching him. Even through the blindfold, he could sense it. And a person came close to him and said, Shirzad, I am Jesus and I have come to rescue you. Jesus unchained him and took off his blindfold to reveal a bright shining white light and then led him out the front door and told him to turn right. A car picked him up on the road. The driver said, Oh, you smell like death. I'm going to take you to the hospital. Shirzad said, Thanks, but on the way can I use your cell phone? And he called his wife to let her know that he had been released. When she heard his voice, she didn't even give him a chance to say anything. She said, Shirzad, Shirzad, you won't believe this, but three nights ago I had a dream of the man in white, and he said to me, in three days I'm going to release your husband from his captivity. Shirzad spent months in the hospital recovering from his many wounds. But you can imagine that every day he told everyone who came near him about how fantastic Jesus is and what Jesus had done for him. And one, there was one Christian doctor in that hospital, and the doctor came to Shirzad and he said, you need to be quiet because if you keep talking like this, they're going to kill you. Shirzad said, no, I am not afraid. I was almost dead and Jesus released me. If he wanted me dead, he would have left me there, but he didn't. So from now on, let everyone know I am not a Muslim, I'm a believer. Jesus is my life. I'm going to follow him and talk to him and about him. He's my food, my water, my blood. He's my everything. And in the first year after his conversion, Shirzad led 70 Muslim friends, family, and colleagues to faith in Jesus Christ. 70 people in his first year. The resurrection power of Jesus in your jar of clay enables you to be bold in your witness for Jesus. Amidst the opposition and suffering, God is glorified and lives are transformed. And God is still doing this all over the world today. And this is the weekend we focus on praying for the persecuted. We need to do that because the Bible teaches us that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. But we also need to pray with the persecuted. 
That means we realize that we carry around this wonderful treasure of the gospel of Jesus, the light of the gospel of Jesus, in fragile earthen vessels. These jars of clay are subject to many challenges and pressures, but we can live in the death and resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's an amazing paradox. And in this power, we can be thankful in everything. We can serve God faithfully, even in hard times. We can be bold in our witness for Jesus, regardless of the opposition that Satan tries to throw at us. So I encourage you today to take some time, today and actually every day, to pray for and with the persecuted church. And today, I would like to focus on two people to represent that large body, which we call the persecuted church. The first is a lady from Pakistan, who you may have heard in the, even in the uh, news media these days, named Asia Bibi. She's a married woman, mother of five children, who was falsely charged eight years ago with blasphemy against the prophet Muhammad. And she was sentenced to death for that, on that false charge. And she has been in death row for eight long years in a terrible prison where she's not been well because of the horrible conditions. And only this week, the Supreme Court gave their judgment on her case, and on Wednesday, she was acquitted. Hallelujah. But that's not the end of the story. As you, if you've been following the news, there have been tremendous demonstrations all through Pakistan by extremists because she was acquitted. And the government has made a deal with them in order to stop all of those demonstrations that they would allow a legal review of her case and they would put her on the no-fly list and not able to leave the country. Her husband and kids are already in England waiting for her. She had a ticket to go on an airplane to England where they would wait until they could be repatriated in another third country. But now she's been uh, detained again and is on a no-fly list to leave the country. Incredible challenges. Imagine how discouraged she must be today. After the high of being exonerated on Wednesday and now being back in detention not able to join her family, who she's been separated from for eight long years. Aja Bibi needs our prayers. Also missing today is a Christian pastor in West Malaysia. His name is Raymond Ko, and Raymond has been instrumental in discipling new believers from a Muslim background, which the government, of course, is not happy about. So about a year and a half ago, he was abducted from his car and there is video of that abduction. And then he was taken away and no one has heard anything from or about him since. For one and a half years, his family is still waiting to hear any kind of news about what has happened to Pastor Raymond Cole. As long as there is hope that he's alive, we still ask you to pray for him, especially for his wife and children who miss him so much. And so we ask God to use Raymond wherever he may be in captivity to share God's love with his captors as well as praying for his freedom. But here's the bottom line, brothers and sisters. The bottom line of all of this 
is that when God is glorified by his power in, in and through our jars of clay in the face of many pressures, lives are transformed and the kingdom of God advances. Hallelujah. And I pray that you too may experience in your lives that resurrection power of Jesus so that when the pressures come, you also will realize it's not me, it's God working and living through me. That you may experience the resurrection power of Jesus in your life and witness. So I ask you to please stand and we're going to pray in closing for the persecuted church and hopefully with the persecuted church in what we ask God to do today. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful treasure that we have, the treasure that we have celebrated this morning in our communion of your son, Jesus, who gave himself for us, who became the ransom for our sin. And we thank you for the power of his resurrection that we also can experience in our jars of clay. So this morning we pray specifically for two of your wonderful children uh, who are part of what we call the persecuted church. Lord, we pray for Aja Bibi in Pakistan. Would you encourage her this morning? Would you be with her and enable her to see beyond the disappointment of the moment to, to realize that you see the end from the beginning and that you know what is best for her. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give her the encouragement she needs, and we pray for her release and, re, um, and joining her family again. We pray the same for Pastor Ko. We don't know where he is or what circumstances he's in. But as long as we have hope of his being alive, we pray, Lord, that you would use him in a great way. He's a man who loves you and has dedicated his life to serve you. And we pray that you would be with him wherever he is, that he may literally sense your presence with him, just as Shirzad did in that prison in Iraq. And Father, we ask your blessing on the family. They suffer too emotionally as they have no idea what's happened to their husband and father. We ask you to be with them and to bless and encourage them. And give us, Lord, the insight to understand the challenges Satan throws at us, but the awareness to realize that we can live in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. And we can overcome those challenges and be a light and let that light, that treasure, of Jesus shine in the world where we live. We ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen, amen. and amen. Amen. God bless you.